Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, the Director of Music Ministries. During these unprecedented days of physical distancing and leading online worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help those worshiping with us to stay engaged and feel connected, even from a distance. Today's episode is going to be a conversation with David Bone, the Executive Director of the Fellowship of United Methodists in Music and Worship Arts, a position he has held for almost 30 years. David is a graduate of Southern Methodist University and Perkins School of Theology with degrees in sacred music and also a master of music in choral conducting. He has years of experience as a church musician in various contexts, and many of you will recognize his name from a wonderful resource he has been producing with Mary Cyphers, the United Methodist Music and Worship Planner. Welcome, David. So, David, tell us what you've been doing these last few months. Well, Diana, it's good to talk with you. Um, it's uh, in this uh, setting, it's a little odd because we just live blocks away from each other. Yes. And, and when we have offices together, our offices are just down the hall from each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, it's uh, interesting to talk to you this way. Uh, this summer, well, learning to work at home like everybody is. Mm-hmm. I found a new place to put up a whiteboard because I need <laughs> to every day see what's supposed to happen. How um, many of those Broadway bills did you have to move around in your office? Because you should see David's office. It is chock full of Broadway bills. The, bro- the Broadway playbills, the covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an expensive sort of hobby that I've, uh, I think I've counted, I've seen 130 Broadway shows performances really kind of crazy um but no actually that went in a stairway uh, (laughs) where where, where my computer is so i didn't have to move any of the playbills off the wall oh good good (laughs) so uh thanks uh so that went out of the stairwell and uh right there where i could see it every day so just really like everybody just readjusting to how we do our work and how we think about um how we exhibit our call in this time Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. what we have been doing for either recently or for many years for some people that's changing and it it is changing for I think forever there there will be changes we won't be going back to things exactly the way they were I was going to ask you what what do you think um, has been a benefit to working this way I think there are so many benefits um, I, I'm a kind of person that I have to look at a, a transition and a challenge and a problem like this. I just have to see, hey, that's that's a gift of this. So I mean, I've, in conversations a lot of times, I say, well, that's a gift of the COVID um, because I think there are so many. Um, I think it's I think it's helping musicians realize that their call is more about the people and not about the music. It is so important that we realize that music is only the vehicle that we have been using and and other arts as well. But it's only the vehicle that we're using 
to create disciples. And right now, without the same music making, we're having to recalculate how we're connected to people, how mm -hmm. we're living out our call as worship artists. And so I think that's that's a real gift that will continue. Um, I agree. And, and actually, you're bringing up an article that both of us read uh, that came out a few days ago um, from United Methodist News, and it's called Pandemic Changes Music Ministers and Choirs. It's written by uh, Sam Hodges, and it made some really good points about we can, what we can do and perhaps should be doing in music ministry during this time when we can't be rehearsing. Um, so I, I love what you brought up already. And one of the uh, quotes from this article um, was by a, a friend of ours, Sid Davis, who's at St. Luke's in Houston. And he says, a lot of my work right now is all about people. And uh, he's been at St. Luke's now for 25 years. If we want to make music again in person, we better have done our homework in keeping the community alive while we can't gather. And so, and I've been around Sid before and he has um, said, you know, uh, I love making music and I love conducting. He said, but my strength is building community. So I'm sure this is, I mean, just right up his alley. What have you been hearing about ways that um, people are building community whilst they can't uh, gather in person? Well, uh, like Sid, in that article, it talks about him going around uh, to uh, folks. I know a good friend of mine, Stephen Mitchell in Athens, Georgia, he found an app where you can put in a series of addresses and it will tell you the best route to take to go to all those places, the most efficient route. And he uses that uh, to go and visit in the, the just drive by if, or sit on the front porch or sit in the yard, uh, or sometimes it's just to say hello, uh, but just keep in contact as he you know, goes through his choir roles and tries to do 10 or 15 people um, each week. Uh, another uh, person I've heard is doing a hymn caroling and the, he's taken quartets and some other folks and they go and stand all out in uh, shut-ins front yards and uh, just sing a couple of hymns. Uh, so that, that's creating that community of those people that are engaged in that activity. Uh, mm -hmm. People are doing uh, Zoom hymn sings. Uh, everybody can't sing at the same time, but they're providing music and something that people can can sing along. That's, yeah, I've seen a lot of that, a lot of different uh, kinds of, of that that style of singing together, if you will. I, I think people are running out of those ideas and looking <laughs> yeah. for new ideas. And I know in the fellowship, we're trying to transition into this fall, helping people share uh, the ideas with each other of, of what things are working because things change and some things last for a short season and we need other other things to do. But it, we really are looking at, at church musicians becoming challenged and answering the challenge, I think, of becoming truly pastors for the people that they have charged for in their congregation. I mean, we, we've always known this to be true in, in great uh, worship arts programs in churches, but I think everybody uh, is, is sensing this. But we're also sensing that people that have been working part-time are now working full-time. Mm. 
in their church jobs. I mean, these is this relationship building, connecting with people, making phone calls. Uh, that that takes time, you know. Yeah. Your community building has been able to do with your being with these people, and say a hour and a half or two hour rehearsal each week, and then an hour and a half on Sunday. That's your main point of contact with everybody at the same time. You don't have that now. You got to divide that up. That's a lot more time. And yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I just think churches are going to have to address that in mm-hmm. job descriptions and in timing. I think. Uh, there's a whole new position now of of worship artist. That's the the visual, uh, digital visual worship artist that figures out how this is looking on on the screen for people. And that they are a worship artist just as much as a musician or a person that does a a visual display or graphic designer. Uh, It's it's a new position and churches are going to need to be hiring for that and, and, and caring for that from staffing or volunteer positions. Oh, I agree. Um, and I, what I've seen is a lot of musicians stepping into that role, but that's an additional, um, as you're saying, yes. and I'm, I'm sensing a lot of tiredness that I'm hearing from people of having to do this and continue it during this time. It also makes me wonder how we can resource um, this new position in the church better um, and I, I haven't given a whole lot of thought to that. And maybe the fellowship, you all might be able to um, have a new um, thought on, um, I don't know, some a webinar or some uh, conversations around how do we help resource those folks that have to step into this role coming from whatever other role they were already doing. Um, we're definitely thinking about that and also looking at the folks that have been doing work like this, um, but have seen it more, you know, they're, they're the tech nerd that sits over in the, the video booth. <laughs> and um, we, we need to uh, create a larger table yeah. that, that engages that process uh, more fully in what we're yes. doing. And that comes down to, to volunteer and staff hours and, Maybe yeah. things, but you're exactly right. Most musicians that I know have gained skills. Another gift of the COVID. But <laughs> a gift of the COVID. You know, there, there are people that have learned to do video editing. Uh, just just today, I saw a fellowship member who posted. You know, I I'm really proud that I have learned this new skill. I never thought I would need to figure out how to make a video that had me conducting music with music playing and the score going along on the screen. Right. But I've done it. I figured out how to do it. I found out how to do it. So these new skills can only can only help us in the future. But yes. it's 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 new skills and new time uh, for, for people to put the work in. All of that stuff takes a lot of time. Right. And I think you're right that churches need to um, think about how the job description needs to reflect that along with um, compensation for it. Um, right now we're all just doing everything we can uh, pretty much volunteer in many cases just to make it happen. But at some point that's going to have to translate into uh, living wages and um, that kind of justice um, payment for, you know, for what people do and for their gifts and talents. I wanted to track back. Um, you mentioned how the church musicians have are the shepherds or, you know, taking care of their flock. Um, 
and and either going by and seeing them or um you know I, I was also thinking wouldn't it be nice to have that old style of phone tree where or in many choirs you have the section leader who looks over all the sopranos if they're the soprano section leader or looks you know uh, make sure that they're all accounted for and if somebody's been missing for a while they make sure they make a phone call so i wonder if there's ways that we could encourage church musicians to delegate more of this um being in connection with uh, everyone in the choir uh to some of these other folks because that i think lessens the burden um but also helps others become ministers as well and it's the way to get at this this uh, bit of burnout that's happening with folks as they're having to do more and different kinds of work. They, they've gotten us through these first four and a half months of this. Mm-hmm. And right. all right, now we've got to sustain it. And how are we going to do that? Well, we have to bring more people into that, that shepherding and, and uh, care of the community role. But that only helps that people... Are, are more engaged and in, in doing that. It gives them a new sense of, wow, okay, I, I, my, my gift to the church for years has been singing in the choir. And I can't do that right now. So I may need a challenge to help me. Well, how, how can I serve that community now if I can't do that? Right. So, so right. by being a, a shepherd for a small portion of a group, uh, can certainly be be a way to do that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. But and that also makes me think about how can our choirs be in mission even beyond our immediate communities during this time. I know many choirs, mine in, in the past have, you know, we've gone out and sung at nursing homes or assisted living homes or um, uh, done a variety, gone to the food bank done those sorts of hands-on in front of people kinds of things, because that's the gift that we can give. We can't do that right now. Um, so do you have any thoughts on how, what kind of mission work we can be doing? I saw that question, and it's a great question, and I don't have the answer for that yet. <laughs> but, I, but I know that there are people who do. Uh, I don't think we've met them yet or heard from them yet. So maybe there's a way for people to respond to this podcast and say, oh, hey, we're doing this. That Um, would be nice. It is. It's a great it's a great idea of how because that has been a a hallmark of many choir programs, especially uh, youth choir programs where they exist. Um, So I think it's really it would be really great to get a sense of how can mission be done now. But it also gives us a chance or the uh, music people that sometimes get, you know, on their island, everybody gets in their silo. Mm -hmm. Right now we've got to start reading up and going to maybe uh, the um, General Board of Global Ministries website and looking at, well, how are people doing missions now? Mm -hmm. Changing, you know, okay, I've been doing, being a musician. I'm now for at least a little bit, let me sprint a bit in getting into the the world of of outreach and mission. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know what to do, there are people who do. Yes. What's happening around the country? I I know I I do see ideas come through like United Methodist News Service of what's (laughs) things that are going on around the world. And I haven't looked at it with this lens before. Mm -hmm. So it really is sort of the, the worship artist, the musician putting on a different pair of glasses 
hmm, I, I need to filter what I'm hearing differently. Right. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about that, it makes me think about, you know, in a lot of communities, two churches will partner, one on the east side and one on the west side. And uh, once a year, maybe at the, you know, or maybe twice, the pulpit exchanges and maybe the choirs exchange as well. That makes me wonder if because of technology and, and figuring out that we can do Zoom across the world, if choirs um, can partner with another choir in Zimbabwe or in somewhere in Hong Kong and become have some sort of a partnership that we pray for each other, we share uh, with each other um, on Zoom, that might be a way to be in mission. Um, even ex- exchanging snail mail, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff and resources. But when you mentioned uh, across the world, it it made me think, well, you know, we can probably do that to to some degree. Um, That would be amazing. Uh, But your thoughts also led me to we're way too segregated in the majority of our churches. mm. And and we have so many uh, obligations in our own churches of producing music and worship in our settings. And if we don't have that in the same way right now, well, what if we started doing these hymn sing pieces or other things that we're doing and partner with mm-hmm. um, a congregation that looks different from our own? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I really think that if relationships are formed in that process, as soon as we can be together, people are going to demand that. And they're going to be awesome? excited in a, in a new and different way of being with that choir. And so those partnerships are going to be a whole different thing. Um, right. It's, right. it's going to be real. So we have a chance here to do some relationship building that can really be lived out in, in the future and gives us hope for the future. You know, I can't imagine what that would feel like if I had more relationships with people who don't, look like me, live like me, live where I live. Mm-hmm. And that it became possible when we are able to be physically together to have um, a, a presence that would be just totally different. Yeah, having this technology at our fingertips and um, this opportunity, it seems a shame that we don't, we only would um, use it for our immediate community and not community building that's wider. Um, so I agree. It uh, it's another gift of the COVID. <laughs> See, <laughs> it works. <laughs> David, I think you need to write a little um, response <laughs> that we can sing um, each time we have that little aha. It's another gift of the COVID. So I'm going to challenge you. To write a little response, and then I want to see it on the fellowship website so that we can all share it. All right, and uh, sing it maybe, together. Maybe, maybe to the old hundredth tune or something <laughs> newer. We'll we'll see. Okay, challenge. Everything old is new again, huh? Did I have <laughs> I heard that somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> challenge accepted. Uh, so let's move on um, and talk about uh, how we grow disciples. So we've been talking about mission, which is a part of of discipleship building um, as we share our gifts and our love of God with others. 
through our witness and through our um, our abundance that we're given, we grow as disciples. But there's other ways that I think that we can help um, our our folks, be it adults, youth, or children that are un, in our care as church musicians, to continue to grow. So, how can our directors help them at this time? Well, establishing good relationships and good uh, channels for those relationships, I think, is first. And then I think it's challenging the musician to realize they are the pastor for that group of people. So being sure that, or maybe there's every week, there's a different choir member that does a video devotion for the choir. Mm. Um, maybe there is um, a chance, you know, we're, if we're running out of reasons of why to get together, mm. maybe every week it's two choir members telling their faith journey. Um, yeah. I, I think, that that is a way that we grow disciples when we when we understand each other and know know each other's story and know each other a little deeper. I, the, the church I attend in Nashville now, um, our practice has been on New Member Sunday. There is no sermon, but all the new members basically in old days we would have called it give their witness. Mm-hmm. But really, what they do is they tell their faith journey. And for some people, it's very uh, an easy story for them to tell. For some people, it's a tearful story for them to tell. And it's just amazing what that does in the community to hear eight to 10 stories on that Sunday of not just what led people to that church and how they want to be involved, but really what their faith journey has been. And I've, I've just been so surprised at how I think our community is very safe for that sort of thing, but how open people have been in that. I, one woman said, I, I was raised in one denomination, and it taught me these three spiritual truths. And she, you know, enumerated, here's what they taught me. But then they did not follow those spiritual truths to their logical conclusion. Mm. In that, I believe everyone is welcome at the church. Mm-hmm. And so she was preaching. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe in our, as we shift away, we can't do these, you know, Zoom doesn't work for choir rehearsals and we're helping people do things, maybe trying to encourage our folks to tell their faith journeys, but it has to start to with the, the leadership yeah. comfortable telling their faith journey yeah. and, and fostering a, a you know, place of security. So that's one way I think we could help grow disciples. Um, I love that. And I think uh, um, giving people permission to share their stories is it comes from the leadership, obviously, Um, because once that door is open, I think people are more than willing to come through there and and make themselves vulnerable, you know, with each other. And as you said, that's what builds community. That's what makes us um, feel safe with one another. And that's so important. And that's something we can be doing right now. And it may be even easier for people to do that over Zoom than it is in person. I I don't know, but it it might be. I think so. I think that that is another gift of the COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ding. Um, So singing versus no singing. What are you hearing that uh, churches are doing and how are they wrestling with this as they're starting to reopen churches 
Some are open now that we know of. Um, of course, you know, the fellowship represents, it, it's representative of the whole United States. I was just in Bristol, uh, Virginia, Tennessee, um, this past weekend, and those churches, the parking lots were full. They were, they were going to church. So what are you, what are you hearing? I think it's very localized. There are as many ways and thoughts as there are places. And so it's just up. And then in that local local place, it's up to that, the people going to that church to decide, you know, if that's appropriate for them. Um, I, I talked to a, a senior adult this week who said, um, my church is going back, but I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't feel like going Sunday. I didn't go, but we decided we're just not going to go back because in our county cases are rising and, and we're singing at church and our bishop just released a statement that says, hey, if you are meeting, don't sing. But our church is singing and we have some leaders in the front who are singing and they're all near each other. And I... I'm just not comfortable with that. So I think even though a church may make a decision, we need to be sure that individual members can also can also make a decision. Mm-hmm. I, I think an abundance of caution is what we need to be um, <laughs> using here. Taking care of each other, being sure <laughs> that uh, whatever we do doesn't doesn't leave anyone out. Um, I know at at my church, I'm on the committee that's deciding when we're going back and. In our community, we're just, we don't even have a date. We're not even worried about setting a date at this point. But we have said, we know that when we go back, we're only going to do it when as many parts of our community can participate. Um, We're not going to do it in such a way that we have to say, we're going to do this, but really people over 65 probably shouldn't come. Right. We're we're not going to do that. So that's our community, our community of faith but also within a wider community of that we're, we're, we're still don't have the, the virus under control yet. I, I was saying earlier, this may seem a little cavalier, but you know, the, the thing you have to realize when you're deciding this is number, well, do you want to be that church? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are enough stories of churches that have gone back and where uh People, pastors, other folks have, have gotten sick and they've had to pull back. Right. Um, it, you know, if it's if it's even worse. So do you want to be that church? Are you okay if you make this decision that you're going to be that church if that happens? And then we just have to realize we have literally have the life of our congregation in that decision. Right. And it's it's a very it's a hard decision. Mm-hmm. And I think every location should make it, but it should not be made cavalierly. I agree. I agree. And both, I both going back to church, the, the question was singing or no singing. Mm-hmm. And I I think everything is saying the less singing, the better. Right. I agree. Um, I was a part of a consultation and and the the stuff that I read and I watched a couple of webinars from Colorado University about the aerosols in the room and the circulation of air. And I mean, to be in a room more than an hour or about an hour with the same ventilation, that's just dangerous right there. So uh, I, and then to add singing and um, uh, a number of people to the mix, I think it's just really playing 
with fire. So, so people are being creative. It's the summer. People are having drive-in worship. They're they're doing things, and it's. I just, hey, ding bell. I'm not going to say the words gift of COVID. Ding. Um, the creativity is just springing forth. I, I know uh, we were talking about Sid Davis earlier. He said it a, a fellowship. Uh, video that we did a few weeks ago, but I think I'm quoting, he was quoting someone else, but he said, the main ingredient in creativity is limitation. Mm. And that just really spoke to me about this time of these limitations that we have now, but we are creative beings. I mean, just being the worship artists and the musicians that we are, we, creation is in our DNA. Yes, amen. Put some limits on us. We're going to figure it out. And Mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to figure it out in the way we were in February of this year, probably ever again. No. Yeah, we got to stop looking back. We're going to figure this out and we're going to work with each other, see what other people are doing, what are working for other folks. I, I will say a piece of this that church musicians and worship artists are not good at is self-care. I know that's true for myself, and I really see that as a piece. We're we're getting burnout. Yeah. And so uh, we're we're caring and and giving self-care, as we've been talking about, to our choir members and figuring out how to do that. But how how do we care for ourselves? The the fellowship is going to have a a prayer and um, retreat, an online retreat in August. Um, and anyone's welcome to participate in that. Uh, you can find information about that. It's a little buried at our website at this point, but if someone contacts me, I can uh, certainly help them find out information. But it'll be a Thursday night, and then we're encouraging um, the Thursday night prayer service, and then we're encouraging everyone to set aside all day Friday, and then Saturday morning, just to be quiet for a while. And mm. I think no matter what, where people are, just this sense of for these, uh, well, you know, less than 48 hours, just to be quiet, to pray will be so, so important to people. And that's part of self-care. And I would just encourage everyone to see what they need to be. They need to be I'll, doing. I'll be sure and put that on the UMC music page on Facebook as well. So people can find it there. Great. And um, you directly yeah, that, to the details. Yes, that sounds wonderful. And you're right. I I totally agree with you. Um, Musicians and all church leaders tend to work around the clock. And if the phone rings, they're not going to ignore it. They're going to take it. And it's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So we have got to figure out how to stop and take some Sabbath days. And um, especially during the summertime when, you know, um, when it's conducive to be outside and, and to do some other things, to walk in the morning or in the evening. I, uh, I, took, I took a day yesterday, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, just the phone, it was off. Yay. I tried to stay away from it, didn't get at the email. I didn't go downstairs into my office, the hole, as I call it now. Or in the or in the hallway with your whiteboard. Or, or in the hallway with the whiteboard. <laughs> we, said, Let's, we drove out of town, got out into the country just for a different place. So, uh, it, it did worlds of good for me just just to have that kind of just a day away. Well, I'm glad you're modeling that. That's really wonderful. I love that. Okay, last question. Tell us a little bit about next year's convocation for the fellowship. 
Well, thanks for asking. I am just so excited. We are so going to need to be together, and I am praying daily that things get to where we can be together. And so praying for a vaccine and praying for, I believe, more masks around and people doing everything they can that we can can be together. But the uh, fellowship has a history of uh, an annual event that's multi-generational. It's at Lake Genaleska, North Carolina, which is right in the Great Smoky Mountains. It's a beautiful, beautiful setting. It's a spiritual Uh, place. It's a very spiritual place. It's uh, people feel like they just need to go there. We're actually, that prayer retreat that we're going to do, we're going to do from Lake Genaleska just because of its sense of place and the spiritual nature of it. But um, we have that annual event every year, but then we also every other year have an event that moves around the country and they're a little bit different, but next year we're doing both of them, overlaying them, having one great event. There will never be a better time to be one. And, and we knew that after what we thought was going to be general conference in 2020, we needed to be one O-N-E. Uh, but with COVID now, that it just sort of puts all kinds of other things as down the list of importance. We need to be together. So I'm praying daily for that. So we just taking from the year, uh, the, the using the digits 202 and then spelling out one, O-N-E, 202, O-N-E, mm-hmm. uh, as sort of our catchphrase for it. But the event will be June 20th to 25th. And the theme is embracing God's vision. And we're sort of shifting. This year, our theme was going to be 2020 vision. And so we're enlarging that to embracing God's vision next year. There are going to be choral groups for all ages, led by great leaders like Anton Armstrong, Mark Miller, Amanda Quist, Vic Oaks, and James Wells. We have handbell groups led by Martha Stewart Matthews and Hyosang Park. We're going to have a children's musical led by and written by Mark Burroughs. One of the really exciting things about this event is we have a very vibrant program for young adults. Uh, We actually offer free registration for young adults 18 to 30 for the event. And so we have uh, folks that have grown up coming to this, but we also have what I call young professionals, um, people in their 20s who are engaged in church work. Uh, And we, we have about 60 to 70 of them as a core each year. And I've been really glad to see that develop over the years. But I would just invite everyone to come and be with us. It's it's going to be a great time. There's incredible worship each day. Uh, then uh, lots of events during the day. Uh, every day closes with an evening prayer, which is led by our young adults. And that's one of the most wonderful things ever. It, it is. It is a highlight. People, you know, we used to have a beautiful evening prayer service in the chapel, and it was to Zay, and it was candles, and there were about twenty people there. And now this <laughs> chapel is, as I call it, rocking. It's rocking and filled with teen spirit. I mean, <laughs> it's it's packed, and most a lot of young people, and it is great. It is. It is. It is, it is great. Um, so the website for the event is fellowship202one.org, fellowship202one.org. And I really would encourage everybody just to go there for a few minutes, go down the page a little bit. There's a video there that has some testimonials from people that have come to our events. And I think you'll really get a, a sense of what the event's going to be. And I'm really, as I said, praying daily. That, uh, yes, 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 Lord, please. And David and I will be there and we'll 
personally say hi to every one of you that come. So be sure and come. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you, David. Thank you for being in the in conversation with me today. It's always a delight, whether it's walking down the hall to each other's office or um, doing it here via Zoom. Uh, it's always delightful to talk with you. And I want to thank all of you for joining us today. We hope this has been very helpful to you. And remember that you can find more information at our website at umcdiscipleship.org. So until next time, we will be praying for you and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.